The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name, that happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling.
Let's get it going right here, right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to feature episode number 18 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, John Paz. And John, we are stepping into the ring with the big man today as we tackle a number of topics with a returning guest, quite possibly uh, one of our favorites of all time, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, the one and only WWE superstar Kane, Mr. Glenn Jacobs, joining the two-man power trip of wrestling for the third time over the last uh, almost five years we've been doing this show. Uh, And this time, of course, he does not disappoint because there is so much going on in the world of Mayor Jacobs. It is absolutely crazy. As John, as we are preparing for this interview, we have a couple things we want to talk about. And then snap your fingers and I'm getting text messages coming out the yin-yang on Monday night saying, Glenn Jacobs, the the mayor, just won the WWE 24-7 championship. And then lo and behold, later on in the night, Glenn Jacobs as Kane Makes a huge impact in the main event, and then obviously closing the show with uh, Bray Wyatt as the Fiend. Uh, just an amazing uh, appearance, but tying into this one here today, John, always good to talk to the mayor. But man, I, just like I said to him as we were getting started, he threw a curveball at us because uh, that was a pretty awesome appearance he had on Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you were talking to him about coming on and this and that, and we're thinking, okay, you know, focus on his book that's coming out. We'll, you know, focus on his appearance at MCW on the 5th of October in Java, Maryland. Uh, we'll talk about JPWA, of course, Jacob's Pritchard Wrestling Academy. We'll talk about his wrestling school, da-da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden, I'm watching Raw, and I'm sure, you know, getting a lot of text messages from a lot of different people. Like, oh, my God. Look at this. Glenn Jacobs, how great is that? Just won the 24-7 championship over R-Truth. Oh, then he lost the 24-7 championship by a roll-up to R-Truth. And then at the end of the show, uh, Seth Rollins is getting taken out, getting beaten up by AJ and the OC, and then Rude and Ziggler. So you're like, oh, come on, make the save. Is it going to be Braun Strowman? And you think to yourself, oh, it's Knoxville, Tennessee. Shocking return of the Demon. The devil's favorite demon, the big red machine, Kane. And that was just awesome. It was like, wow, two shockers in one night. And we were due to talk to him this week. I mean, it's just perfect timing, an absolute shocker. And I love that he didn't break cafe, but he didn't even give you any sort of hint that he'd be on or returning to the WWE wrestling ring, let alone be a huge, major part of Monday Night Raw. A huge part, yeah, and I think that's the second time he's kind of done that to us where you know, we're anticipating an appearance and then he pops up on TV, but this one was like as fresh as a daisy. I just uh, I couldn't believe, you know, going back and forth over a couple things the last few weeks with him and not, not getting one little inkling, um, but it's just so cool. Anytime he comes back, uh, it's just an amazing thing because there's not many guys that make the impact still that he does. I mean, obviously, yes, The Undertaker does without a doubt, and we saw Stone Cold Steve Austin in the last few weeks, and anytime you see The Rock come back. But Kane, it's funny. He kind of transcends just the Attitude Era guys or the uh, the mid-2000 guys or the late-2000 guys. He's worked with a lot of the top guys that are currently in WWE in big spots and has wrestled them in main events. So he kind of fits right back in to that roster as as cool as it is, but to kind of channel the old school fan, anybody who's casually going by the uh, the dial on a Monday night, they see the big red machine cane. You got to stop because, uh, you know, there's going to be some fire and there's going to be some choke slams. Absolutely. And you think about name value alone, 
main eventer for 20 years on top of the WWE wrestling world for 20 years. Whenever he returns, it's going to be important. Whenever he returns, no matter who he's facing, he's going to elevate that talent. And whether it is in a segment like R-Truth or the 24-7 title, that title immediately gets elevated, even though obviously a little bit of a jokey thing and it's kind of the comedic element. You elevate that title with St. Kane, who's a former 24-7 champion, and then you throw on top of that, he comes back with the mask, beating up people, chokeslam people, taking them out. You see Hellfire, Brimstone, you see the whole thing. And then the Fiend comes out and takes him clean out of the game, which totally elevates Bray Wyatt, totally elevates the Fiend character, uses the mandible claw for good measure. So, you know, anything he touches, of course, is going to just lead to something major. And it's just going to make that person even that much more important. And look, the Fiend elevated again. Perfect timing for the Seth Rollins feud. Absolutely. Yeah, but not to discount on this show, we're also talking about this great book that he's got coming out in November uh, titled Mayor Kane, which is a look into his, his life. It's a full autobiography as well as his journey into the political world. Uh, but also talking about the Jacob Pritchard's Wrestling Academy that he's launched in the past couple of months with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Something that, John, I can even tell you, he's so proud of that he was telling me about it a few weeks ago that that's what he really wanted to talk about on this show. And getting to read about it and seeing some things. I mean, first, with Dr. Tom being involved, that's one thing. We know he's an authority when it comes to training guys. He's really, you know, if you didn't put him at the top of the list, he'd be two or three. Uh, but then to throw in Glenn with his expertise and main eventing WrestleManias and being on top of the WWE world for so long, the perfect team to kind of make this wrestling academy come true and come to light. Uh, but it was really nice to hear him talk about this with such pride. It was a really, uh, really great thing to see him uh, discuss with us. So awesome that he, not only if you're a student, you'd be able to get into that wrestling school, but it's so awesome that he was talking to us and gave us at length great answers about not only what he brings to the table, but what Dr. Tom brings to the table as well. And if you think about like, oh, man, I want to get into the wrestling business or man, you know, I think I want to be a, a big time star or forever thinking about possibly being able to get into the WB can't get any better than Kane. I mean, not only is his connections going to help you, not only is his experience going to help you, but just being trained by him is going to be a huge help. And obviously, like he mentions in the interview, Dr. Tom, you can't get much better than that as well help train The Rock, help train Kurt Angle, help train Mark Henry. That wrestling school, JPWA, down there in Tennessee, ain't going to get much better than that. No, not at all. It's uh, it's really cool, and their Facebook page is loaded with information. Their website is loaded with information, and if you are thinking about getting into the business, I mean, is there a better place to start? There you go. Dr. Tom and, uh, and Glenn with his experience. It's a great uh, duo. So before we get into this interview with Glenn and we talk about Raw, we talk about the book, we talk about the Wrestling Academy, I got to put you on the spot, partner. Give me a top cane moment, whether it's a victory, whether it's a return, whether it's uh, a choke slam straight to hell. What's your top cane moment in your, uh, your all time of watching Mr. Jacobs wrestle? I got to be honest, I, just because I remember it so vividly. As a fan. So King of the Ring 98 happens. He wins the world title. Just absolutely shocked that Austin lost the title in that run. Because obviously he's the hottest guy in the business at this point. But you're like, my God, Kane beat him. Totally believable. Totally was like, man, totally you know, invested in him. But 
pissed off that he won. The next night on Raw, that match, he loses the title to Steve Austin. The crowd was nuts. I remember we were watching with a group of people. They were going nuts the entire time. I got to say, the night after King of the Ring, 98, when Steve Austin defeats Kane to get his world title back, that's got to be one of my big-time favorite moments. Now, it's very ironic, and I know you would say the same thing as well, the, the relationship that's been developed with Glenn over the years, because if I had to put anybody in the post-Hogan era at the top of my uh, uh, you know, quote-unquote Mark favorite list, it would probably have been the Big Red Machine Kane. But I'll tell you what, if you haven't seen it in a long time, people got to go back and they got to watch the return that he had in 2000 with Paul Bearer taking out the Radicals, taking out DX. If you don't feel that crowd, if you don't feel JR and Jerry Lawler on commentary, man, you don't have any uh, a pulse. You got to check your blood because it's uh, it is probably the most intense uh, return of that era for uh, for the Big Red Machine. So go check that out if you haven't. But John, there's really nothing much else to say, so I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, why don't you get us on the road, and we'll uh, we'll check out this great feature episode here with our good buddy, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Mayor Kane. And now, the big red machine, devil's favorite demon, the mayor himself, Glenn Kane Jacobs. On the line tonight is uh, a good friend of this show, a guy who helped put us on the map a few years ago. And just as we think we have one interview set up, the guy goes and throws us uh, one fastball right down the middle that we just hit right out of the park. Because joining us is the illustrious mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, the most decorated superstar in the history of WWE. He is the one and only Glenn Jacobs. Mr. Mayor Jacobs, welcome to the, back to the two-man power trip. Hey, how are y'all? <laughs> hey, Glenn, we're doing good. I mean, we had a couple things to talk about here, but you just, uh, you know, sometimes we never know what to expect out of you. Now winning a championship under the Glenn Jacobs moniker. Uh, do you ever stop yeah. moving? First My one. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first, first one uh, for me, uh, 24-7 champion. Uh, pretty awesome. And, you know, uh, it was, it, it was, it was actually fantastic. I had a, a great time, and uh, you know, you know, it was uh, it was great to win it at home at Neyland Stadium against Our Truth, and then we won't talk about the rest of the night. But that part was really good. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to look in the record books and see, you know, out of your professional career, was that the <laughs> official first victor- championship victory for Glenn Jacobs? I think it was actually. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think it was. Um, 
And it's one of the few times I've been beaten with a roll-up. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the night. So, but I, yes, I, I do believe that was. I've won it. You know, won championships under other names, but the first as Glenn was two ends, by the way. Yes, Jacobs. Yeah, exactly. Hey, maybe it was the moon pies that you uh, you just won from this past weekend. Maybe it was the moon pies. <laughs> so, the, I'm going to tell you that story. Um, I had made a friendly wager with the mayor of Hamilton County, which is where Chattanooga is. Uh, University of Tennessee football team was playing UT Chattanooga. And the wager was moon pies are made in Chattanooga. So I, I wagered that if Tennessee – uh, that if Tennessee were to lose, that I would send him Mountain Dew, which is actually invented in Knoxville. And he would send me, if, if uh, UT were to win, if they were to beat the, the Mox, he would send me a case of Moon Pies. Well, then the Moon Pie people got wind of this on Twitter, and they tweeted that they would send the winning mayor an entire pallet of Moon Pies. So yesterday we had, I believe it's 3,402 Moon Pies show up in my office. <laughs> um, and now, now of course, it's like, what do we do with them? And then we're, we're trying to find a good home uh, for those with uh, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, East Tennessee Children's Hospital, and some other uh, you know, worthy organizations. But it went from, like, you know, a few moon pies to, oh, Lord, what are we going to do with all these moon pies? <laughs> <laughs> If you want to see it, it's on Glenn's uh, Twitter account where he's standing next to the uh, the pallet. And if you've ever imagined what a pallet of moon pies look like, it's pretty impressive to see somebody your size standing next to him. But I got to think you took at least one case and stuffed it in the office, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, I I did have to promise my staff that they they could they could have their pick of the litter. So <laughs> that pallet of moon pies actually weighed. It weighed almost a thousand pounds. Nine hundred seventy-four wow. pounds of moon pies. That's a lot of moon pies. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah. That's like if somebody won those contests. That lifetime supply of moon pies. That's probably what they were sending yeah. their way. But yeah, I mean, you just have so exactly. much. You, you you got so much cool stuff going on. Uh, in your world. I mean, the last time you joined us, you had just uh, announced that you were running for mayor, which you did ultimately end up winning. We were very happy for you. We were clapping from afar. We were very, uh, <laughs> very proud to be a Thank part you. of that uh, that moment with you. Uh, but you've got so many other cool things going on, uh, including you're releasing your first book through WWE coming up here in November. But you've also got a wrestling academy that you have in uh, Tennessee. It's called the uh, the uh, Jacob Pritchard's Wrestling Academy. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. And I think it's very, uh, very cool to have somebody like Dr. Tom, who's such an accomplished trainer, and obviously yourself with your decorated uh, career, uh, to be running the school. How's that been for you guys so far? It's been fantastic. Uh, Tom Pritchard is one of the best trainers in the world. For years, he was WWE's main trainer. Um, you know, the folks that follow uh, WWE uh, will know Tom from uh, his time with Body Donna's and, and before that uh, with the Heavenly Bodies and uh, you know throughout with, with NWA and other organizations as, as Dr. Tom Pritchard, of course. Um, but Tom trained people like The Rock and Kurt Angle and Mark Henry and just all these folks and he lives in Knoxville, he's a friend of mine. And uh you know, one day we were talking and it just I was you know, sort of slowing down my WWE schedule. I'm like, why why is Tom not training people? And so we got to talking and it's what he loves to do. And uh we just came up with this idea to uh, start a wrestling academy. Tom actually uh has written a book um and it's a 
a, a curriculum for wrestling. It's like a 12 week, um, 12 week course, uh, you know, that outlines all the different falls and moves and all that sort of stuff. Um, so anyway, the, the school's going really well. Um, it's located next to, uh, a D one complex, which is a training complex for mostly for like high school and college, uh, football, baseball, and basketball. So it's in a great location. Um, and you know, you can't, you can't find a better trainer on this planet than Tom Pritchard. I mean, his resume speaks for itself, uh, for itself. So very happy with that. And, uh, it's going really well. And I feel like you can't really get a better trainer than a guy that's been in the WWE world for over 20 plus years. And you not only have inducted Tom, but you, is that kind of a huge selling point? Like, you know, Hey, you know, 20 years in the business, I uh, pretty much am a go-to guy in, in this realm. Well, I mean, it is. And I think too, um, you know, when you're looking at, at wrestling schools, there are, there are some really good ones around, um, probably some not so good ones too. Um, but there are a lot of good ones, and I think the, the things that you have to look at, uh, it's just like, in many ways, going to college. It's, you know, what is the quality of education and training that I'm going to get there, and then also what is job placement? You know, what do these connections uh, do these folks have that could help me throughout my career? Um, and, yeah, I don't I – don't, <laughs> not putting myself over too much, but I think my connections, you know, <laughs> connections get much better than what I have. Um you know, and, and, and that is important because, you know, if I, if I see someone that I think is really good and has it, you know, um, I certainly, you know, can say, hey, you know, you, you, WWE, you need to, need to keep an eye on this guy uh, or this gal. You know, they, they could really be something someday. Um, so that, that definitely is, you know, a selling point. Um, and I think the, the most important thing, though, is that, you know, Tom is an artist. And uh, when he's training people, it's um, it's what he's doing. I mean, he he really cares about the business, about the craft, and about the students too. And you can tell that. And uh, you know, he he basically does the day to day operations of the school, and um, it's just amazing the rapport that he's able to build with the kids. In some cases, folks that are a little, a little older than kids. Um, you know, the rapport that he's able to build and how much he, he cares about their success and does everything that he can to make sure that, you know, people are learning and progressing and uh, in, in a safe environment. And uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm really proud of what he does. It's pretty amazing to watch. And how, how often are you around to be a part of the training as well? Yeah, I'm, I, I don't get by as much as I like to with all the other things going on. You know, I, I try to stop in, you know, uh, occasionally – couple times a week or so um but you know it's especially with the mayor thing i'm i'm pretty busy so like i said tom does you know tom runs uh, most of the day-to-day stuff i might stop in every once in a while and i'm sure i tell someone hey you need to do this and i probably walk out and tom's like don't listen to him you know we're talking about so. <laughs> <laughs> now when you do go in there and do your training do you kind of rely back on to some of the stuff that maybe the malenko's taught you or some some training you had back then or you're kind of going in a different pattern, different path? Um, mine is, the, the thing that I think that I have to offer is, um, you know, it's not so much the fundamentals that Tom teaches. Um, 
it, but it's more, you know, it, and Tom talks about psychology too, but it's, you know, it's why do you do certain things? You know, why do you do them at a certain time? You know, character development um, and psychology. Uh, in many ways, the unfortunate part about that is you, you don't learn those things until you get out in front of people. That's what makes this era uh, so different, so difficult, really, is um, back in the day, even when I started, there was a lot of on-the-job training. And on the one hand, it's uncomfortable because you're out there in front of people learning. You don't really know what you're doing. On the other hand, that's the best environment that you can be in to learn because the professional wrestling business, it boils down to one thing, and that's eliciting emotion out of the audience and trying to get the emotion that you want out of the people who are watching the show in an interactive way. And that's something that can't be taught. Some people have it instinctively. I mean, Kurt Angle, you know, if you watch Kurt, I mean, it was like literally like the dude just picked this up, you know, because I was there from the beginning with, with Kurt. And you see so many people that come from a background like his, um, and they can't pick up the psychology. And it was like, for Kurt, Bam, he just had it from day one. Um, not everybody's like, I wasn't like that. You know, it took me a while to figure uh, to figure things out. Um, but that's the most important part of the entire thing, because in the end, you know, in, in the end, what separates professional wrestling from other forms of entertainment and other sports is that emotional component. Um, that, that, I'm sorry, it's what separates them out of sports, not necessarily. That's what makes it much more and entertainment than other sports are. Um, you know, we're selling, we're selling the emotion. We're selling the, uh, the, the audience caring about the competitors. Um, and that's not always an easy thing to figure out. So that's kind of what I end up getting into. But like I said, you know, it's, uh, that's a lot easier, you know, when you, when you have an audience and that's what's so hard about, um, so hard about what we're seeing now with, you know, uh, the territory is going away. I mean, we still have, you know, the, the independent scene is very vibrant, which is great, you know, but back in the, back in the day, I mean, you know, you're working four or five days a week and in the territories in front of people every night, that was a great place and a great way to learn. And, and I feel like with you and Dr. Tom, they're going to get a little bit of both, like you said, a little bit of fundamentals. And then with you, a lot of the character development, a lot of, of the psychology, a lot of, you know, how to be a star. When did you think you really became comfortable when you went out there? Like you said, you know, you're learning in front of the crowd. How many years did it take you to really kind of get comfortable and, and really kind of perfect the craft? Well, I'm still learning, <laughs> you know, um, you know, seriously. Um, but, oh, dude, it was um, years, three years for me. And then, uh, you know, of course, with my history at WWE and my early years and different characters, um, each one, each of those characters is different as well. Uh, you know, so for the Kane character, I mean, it, you know, it took me like a couple of years before I really felt that I had things down pretty well. Um, but I would have never been able to do that, of course, if I hadn't had, you know, early experiences sort of, sort of generically. Uh, so for me, it was, it was literally years. And like I said, you see other people that pick it up quickly or just already have it built in, but I wasn't that fortunate. 
Now, obviously, with these students, they know it's not going to be boom. You know, they sign up, they're in WWE. How long do you think it really, for a student, do they have to, you know, kind of get themselves ready before they're really ready to make that next leap? Or is it just different with every different wrestler that comes in? It's different with everybody. Um, you know, we have we have folks that come in, and some of them uh, are already in, in the business. So, uh, you know, in some cases, it's actually that's a detriment because they've learned some bad habits that, hmm. you know, Tom, Tom breaks them up pretty quickly. But nevertheless, you know, they have maybe some <laughs> bad habits coming in. Um, in some cases, you know, they, some cases, no, they've, you know, they, they need some seasoning, um, uh, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, it varies so much and it really just depends. Uh, you know, and then some people just, there is an it factor. I mean, there really is. And I don't know quite what it is, but I know what it is when I see it. And I think that's how, <laughs> that's how everybody is. Right. Um, yep. and, you know, and then, like, I, I frankly, I mean, I had, it's like, when I look back at my career, you know, when I look at the athleticism and, and that sort of stuff, I had it, it, but I didn't have the psychology and I didn't understand a lot of that stuff. I had to really work at it. So, in some cases, you can learn it. Um, you know, in some cases, you can't. Like, you know, look at a guy like, you know, Dwayne Johnson just had it more than anyone else has ever had it any time in history. Um you know, so it really is hard to tell because uh, it's not just you know, not just learning the moves and the fundamentals. Um, it's you know that thing of can can someone um, you know can someone reach into, into into the audience's psyche or more importantly reach into their heart and make them you know make them either love or hate them right? And that's you know that's just something that you can't some some people never get it. And, um, you know, some people have it right off the bat, and then other people just one day something clicks, and all of a sudden, wham, there they are. Uh, so it's it's really hard. And, you know, I'm, I'm never going to tell anyone that, you know, they, they can or can be uh, successful in this business because, frankly, I don't know, you know. And it's always been it's one of those things like, you know, um, I see stuff, and I'm like, that'll never work, and, Two months later, it's the hottest thing going. Other times, I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, you know, and it's horrible. Um, so, you know, it's just the, that's part of the thing about the, the business is it's it's so subjective that it's really difficult to say, you know, um, what, uh, you know, if, if someone's going to be successful or not. Um, you know, I mean, we, we'd all love, you know, I'd love to see someone that's, you know, on, on the – you know, the guy's side, you know, six foot five and 285 pounds that can move around and do all this stuff and has a lot of charisma and talk, you know, obviously they're going to have, you know, a huge advantage. Um, but by the same token, you know, nowadays that, you know, that isn't always what the audience is looking for, you know, on, on, on the women's side, you know, same deal. You know, if you have someone who's, you know, super athletic and can talk and has lots of charisma, you know, well, there they are. Um, and so it's just really hard to tell. And, you know, in some cases, again, I mean, I see people are like, oh, they're never going to make it. And then one day something just clicks and all of a sudden, wow, you know, they take off. So it, it that is such a subjective thing to try to do. It's, uh, you know, I, I have no confidence in my ability to predict anything when it comes to 
you know, who could be a star and how long it's going to take. Kind of almost team hell no, for for instance, with you and Daniel Bryan, because at first when they put you guys together, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then, boom, a week later, basically, I was like, my God, this is just great yeah. with the, the chemistry right. between you and Daniel Bryan. Right. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, it's like on paper that should have never worked, <laughs> but <laughs> but it did. So it, it is. It's, it's just very difficult. And it's the same with storylines. You know, I mean, uh, I said I, I see stuff and I think it's great and I'm like the only person that thinks it's really good. <laughs> and then other times I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And, <laughs> you know, lo and behold, yeah, a week later it's the hottest thing on TV. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? But that's actually, and that's, that's also the beauty of, of the professional wrestling business is, you know, that the audience, the audience makes their mind up about what they want. And, uh, you know, that it's, it's like the, it's the beauty of the free market incarnate, you know, the audience is deciding what they want. And, uh, if they don't like it, they let you know. And if they do like it, they let you know. We use the word revolution because this is a revolution. The time has finally arrived. All elite wrestling premieres on Wednesday, October 2nd at eight o'clock on TNT. We want to set a new standard for all of pro wrestling and for all pro wrestling fans. Made by wrestlers for wrestling fans. Get ready for the revolution with All Elite Wrestling. It's the most exciting professional wrestling in the last decade. Take to the sky! AEW flies higher, hits harder, and with their all-inclusive roster of superstars, they are breaking all boundaries. Chris Jericho, Cody and Brandy Rhodes, The Young Bucks, Nyla Rose, and more. All Elite Wrestling, a new league rises Wednesday, October 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on TNT. All Elite Wrestling, a new league rises Wednesday, October 2nd at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central on TNT. Absolutely. And speaking of that, you have a great book, Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling and Politics, coming out, written by WWE yep. and our dear friend, obviously, Jack, you know, dear friend of the show. What is going on with this book? What are the expectations? Because this has got to be you know, high on a lot of fans' list of, of guys they want to hear, not just about their career, but their personal life as well. Well, yeah, of course. Um, and this is this is you know, pretty much my autobiography, um, and starts when, starts when I'm born in the beginning, um, <laughs> but it goes, goes through my early career and, uh, you know, childhood tells my story. Um, you know, my time before WWE, of course, my time, uh, in WWE, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good stories and some traveling stories, um, you know, as well as, uh, then we get into political stuff, you know, and, uh, my, my political philosophy and how I look at things. Um, you know, and I, I had a great time writing the book. Uh, just, I'm, you know, going through remembering things that I hadn't thought about in years. Um, and it's funny too, cause it'd be stuff that, uh, you know, the average, it's stuff that I think is probably pretty boring, but I already know it. Right. And then I would tell some of the story and they just think that's, you know, they would just laugh, you know, belly laugh about something. And I'm like, why is that so funny? And they're like, well, you know, that just like, you know, 
never heard of anything like that. Basically, it doesn't happen outside of the wrestling business. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of that in there, as, as well as just, you know, I, I think the, uh, the best thing about um, books like this is you get different perspective on, on what happened, how it happened, why it happened. Uh, you know, and, and in some cases, what you're thinking, at least what I'm thinking about stuff. Um, so, you know, even, I mean, you know, my first, my first, uh, pay-per-view match as Kane was in Montreal, 1997, you know, so guess what I got to see firsthand. <laughs> anything, happen, <laughs> anything happened that day, Glenn? I don't remember. Anything yeah. going on? <laughs> so, my, you know, so, my, uh, so there I was, you know, and then also, I mean, I want, you know, I, I always give Mick Foley a hard time because. Uh, you know, I won. I won my first world championship at King of the Ring in Pittsburgh in 1998. Meanwhile, he's flying off cages. You know, still never remembers <laughs> my championship. They remember, you know. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I was there for all that stuff. You know, and it's like, um, you know, a lot has been written about that. But uh, I, I get to add my thoughts into things. And you know, uh, again, you know, in many cases, it's like. You know, we, I think on the outside, we know what happened, but we don't know why it happened. We don't know how people reacted to it and that sort of thing. Um, so I try to tell those stories. Yeah, you beating Steve Austin that night, the King of the Ring, for the title kind of got overshadowed maybe a bit by Foley almost killing himself a few times. Yeah, and, you know, here, here's, I mean, I'll give you a glimpse into the book. You know, Mick was involved in the finish of our match, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And here I am, and I'm, I'm beating Stone Cold Steve Austin, and we don't know if Mick can come back out. Well, you know, we're watching the match back backstage and just going, you know. But Mick's my friend too. I mean, he's you know, he's my traveling partner at times, and so I'm watching Mick going. You know, I, I don't know if he can come back out for the for the uh, for my match. I I don't know if he's going to survive. You know, I mean, <laughs> those are both pretty important to me. Um, <laughs> you know, but from from the uh, you know, from the storyline standpoint, it's like, what, what are we going to do if Mick can't go back out there? You know, so I'm panicking because here I am going, good Lord, you know, this is, am I going to have to set myself on fire because I might lose to Austin? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that would have been extraordinarily, you know, bad for my career and my life. But, you know, that sort of stuff, which, you know, I don't think people, you probably have never thought about that. You know, here, here, you know, here, you know, Steve and I have to go out after this, and Mick is a very important part of our match, and you don't know if he's going to be there for it. You know, so I think it's those stories that, uh, you know, really the flesh out the entire uh, totality of what happened that night. Absolutely. And then just th- throw in that, that you know, WCW is having the money at war against you guys, and it's back and forth. Oh. And you're such a pivotal player. And the next night, you versus Austin literally tore the roof down when he beat you for the time. I mean, yeah. it just the level of importance is huge. Yeah, and you know, and, you know, again, yeah, like you know, we all look back on the Monday Night Wars and we're romanticized, and you know, gosh, what a great time for wrestling and all that. If you were in either company, but especially, I think in WWF or WWE now. Um, Dude, it was the most stressful time of my life because if you know, guess what? It really was a war, and if we lost, we were probably going to lose our jobs. So, you know, we weren't sitting there romanticizing about how great everything was. We were literally going, you know, how can we put on the best show that we possibly can? Because if we don't, 
we could wake up out of a job any day now. You know, I mean, it's stuff like that that, you know, as, as a fan, it was a great time. But as a performer, uh, especially like at the height when, you know, everything we did, I, I thought I thought that Raw had, you know, had become a much superior show to Nitro. And they were still killing us in the ratings. It's like, what do we have to do? You know, um, and that was that was like really important because our livelihoods depended on it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. I think that as as a fan, you probably don't think about that aspect of it because, of course, the product was, you know, product was just tremendous and you enjoyed watching it. And, uh, you know, now we look back and like I said, we all we all reminisce about it and it was great. Brother, I can tell you, being in the middle of that, good Lord, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was very stressful. <laughs> now, as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish, obviously, you know, the book, we got a lot of high expectations. If you're a real true wrestling fan and even a fan of the political realm, I think you would be the perfect person to want to read the autobiography of so what are kind of your expectations for the book you think you you know this is going to be a bestseller or kind of what what or should we temper the expectations and kind of low expectations for the book well i hope it's gonna i hope it's gonna be good (laughs) you know and i I hope it sells well um you know uh because it, it, it does combine both um and uh you know and i hope i i just hope that it's a quality a quality product that people enjoy, uh, you know, and that's all you can do. Um, I also, I recorded the audiobook as well. Uh, that was, you know, I've never done that before. That was interesting. It was about 20 hours reading the book, you know, uh, in a sound booth. Uh, so, uh, that, yeah, that, that, you know, I've, I've done voiceovers and all that, but I've never done anything like that. Uh, and it was actually, it was funny because actually kind of physically taxing to do that, right? You know, you always think of people and they read lines, it's no big deal. You know, my voice is starting to crack and they're like, you know, you got to drink some water. You got to eat green apple. Uh, it's supposed to help your voice, you know. Yes, it is. Sore and scratchy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, you, know you, you guys probably know, I mean, I'm talking for like six hours in yeah. the microphone, right? You know, and I'm also, you know, I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read kind of voice acting. Um, that was a very unique experience. Uh, but for the book overall, you know, I just, again, I just hope that people are entertained by it, um, you know, and uh, it adds quality to folks' lives. You know, that's all I can do. You know, of course, I'd love for it to be a bestseller, but in the end, I, I think that, um, I mean, you know, I've worked, worked hard on it. Um, in fact, just put us the finishing touches on it uh, probably this week. And, uh, you know, now it's... Uh, I, I can't change anything about it now. It's going, you know, through the uh, through the printing process, and uh, um, it's it's done, right? It's out of my hands. Um, but you know, again, it's just it's, especially if you're if you're a fan, uh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in there that you, you probably either don't know or don't think about. Uh, and I, I think if you're a wrestling fan, you know, hopefully, hopefully, I tell it in an entertaining way, and you know, you you can get some. Uh, get some behind-the-scenes knowledge at the same time be entertained by it. And that's, again, that's all I could do. Now, with the book, I mean, we're obviously we're going to be uh, ecstatic. We're excited for it. But in a sense, i almost thinking Kane is retired. He's He's gone from <laughs> wrestling. And then all of a sudden, a new chapter pops up, shockingly shocked us all, uh, on Monday night. Not only you winning 24-7 championship, but the devil's favorite demon, the, you know, the big red machine returned on Raw. You beat up AJ, uh, Anderson, Gallows, Ziggler, Rude. You beat all those guys 
heads up. But then you had to deal with the fiend, Bray Wyatt. Was that, a, a, you know, a shocking, crazy return, or, or, or are we uh, we wrong on that one? Well, as far as a shocking, crazy return, I think it was. Uh, you know, I think it was, as we say, it was a, it was a really good piece of business. Um, yes. And, I, you know, I've told people all along that, um, you know, did you go out, it's like uh, last Monday, of course, it's in Knoxville, uh, so it's in my hometown, and... It was a, I mean, gosh, what a rush, right? And sometimes forget about that. But there's nothing like it. I mean, there's nothing like walking through that curtain and the entrance music and all that stuff. Um, so I've told people all along, you know, that uh, I, w- I would never say that Kane is over because I don't know when when that part of my life will be over. But, you know, I mean, if WWE asked me to do something, I'm probably going to try to do it because I really enjoy it. And, uh uh, that that was just a great night, uh, and you know to be also to be involved uh, with the Seth Rollins uh, and you know Bray Wyatt the Fiend storyline. Uh, what an honor, you know, to be able to do that. Um, so it was a great night, and you know I, I, I see, even I get creeped out by Bray Wyatt right now. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think that's just a tremendous, a tremendous, tremendous character. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also, you know, I, I also, I'm really happy um, when any of the guys uh, are able to, are able to be successful. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Bray is, Bray is very creative and, uh, you know, everything that he's done is Bray Wyatt. And now the, uh, the Fiend character, I mean, it's all been great, you know. Um, he's just a wonderful performer. Um, so just being, I mean, just he's still, dude, it's like, you know, think about that, right? You know, you get to go out and, you know, WWE's major league, man. It's like, gosh, here you, every once in a while you get to go out and, uh, you know, check into a game with LeBron James or, you know, be on the football field with, uh, you know, with the New England Patriots. I mean, it's, it's that level when you get to, be on WWE programming. Uh, so I don't know what the future holds, but at least for one night, it was it was pretty doggone cool. I mean, you could go down the list, Glenn, and you see all the great returns that you made and the, the amazing reactions from the crowd and when the fire hits and the music starts and you're coming around that corner. But I think coming around it in Knoxville and especially on that night with the 24-7 thing earlier and, and really this being one of the, the first times you've been on TV since you won the, uh, the mayor uh, seat last year, it had to stand out as something special. But is there one of those returns that stands out as like the the more marquee one for you? Is there anyone that you would consider to be your favorite return? Because man, you have had some amazing uh, return moments. Um, my Kane's debut will always be the number one thing. You know, I, I think that was the best debut in the history of professional wrestling. Not necessarily because of what I did, uh, but because of the circumstances and the storyline leading up to all of that. Uh, so really, I, I don't, you know, I don't know about any of the returns, but the initial unveiling of the character, uh, you know, it, it, that was just magic. Um, so that, that would have to be my, my all time favorite above all else. 
The immortal words of uh, Mr. McMahon, that's got to be Kane, and that's who has been. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's who's been on the line with us today. And one more thing we want to mention before we let you go, Glenn, is obviously the Wrestling Academy, obviously the book, but also on October 5th, you're going to be heading to the Baltimore area to Joppa, Maryland, for MCW's Tribute to the Legends. Uh, obviously, you're front and center on the uh, the cover of this guy because this is a convention that will not be missed by many in that Baltimore area. This is a great appearance for you, uh, and the fans of Baltimore are known to be quite rabid and quite uh, hardcore. But uh, are you looking forward to getting out to Joppa October 5th? Yeah, you know, the uh, thing about now is, um, you know, I, I, get to, I get to do appearances, uh, you know, every once in a while, and it's nice to be able to, you know, just – talk with people for a couple minutes, you know, and take a picture and do all that stuff. Um, and the greatest compliment, you know, just the greatest compliment is when people thank me for entertaining them. And, uh, you know, it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're thanking me for allowing me to, you know, to do all that, uh, which is just amazing. Uh, so I, I really have a good time, uh, at things like that, and yeah, you're right. The folks in Baltimore can, you know, they could be they could be pretty rabid. They're great, <laughs> great crowd, um, and uh, you know. But you also have you, know, you got folks like Devon Dudley are going to be there that night too. So uh, it, it's going to be a, a lot of folks' favorite, you know. Uh, favorite superstars it should be a really great night and i'm looking forward to it yeah it's gonna be great we'll be uh, we'll be out there we will say hi of course and uh you know maybe something else will pop up between now and then but we want to send you over to the website for the jacob pritchard's wrestling academy it's jpwrestlingacademy.com please check it out read the story about what exactly glenn just kind of explained and look at some of the pictures and the cool stuff you guys are doing uh, just uh, on the internet and, and on Facebook and on Patreon and all these cool things. But, Glenn, I'm going to hand it over to you. Is there any place else you want to send the uh, the listeners of the two-man power trip to check on everything going on in the world of the mayor, Mr. Glenn Jacobs? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you can pre-order Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling and Politics now. Uh, it will be available on November 26th. You can pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and uh, your other favorite uh, book-selling websites. Um, so please check that out. Uh, and you know, otherwise, I just I appreciate you guys having me on today. Um, and I also pre- appreciate everybody out there listening and who uh, have supported me through the years and continue to support me now. Uh, it's you know, I love you guys. Thank you. Hey, you're, you know, you know, you're one of our favorites. That's for damn sure. And we appreciate you uh, being a part of our show for all these years that we've been doing it. So we look forward to seeing you in Joppa, and we will uh, we will talk to you soon. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. This podcast was a presentation of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcast Empire.